This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome everybody to episode of 147 of the Valiant Central Podcast. If this isn't episode 147, then uh, somebody's going to have to dub in the correct number because I'm, I'm not going to look it up right now. Uh, joining me today, Martin had to cancel at the last minute. He's busy with, uh, you know, busy people stuff. So uh, another busy person, Ronnie Barron, is joining me. Uh, literally just walked in the door, threw on a headset, and started yakking. Yeah. Uh, also with me, another very busy person uh, from the Collecting Valiant podcast, which comes out, uh, is it once every quarter now? Is that how often you guys are coming out? Be nice. <laughs> Be nice. Juan Hammonds. Hammonds. <laughs> is, is there an S on the end of that? Yeah, I think so. All right, Hammonds. I was right the first time. Then I doubt it. So, like, you don't even know your last name. (laughs) This is uh, episode 147. I got it right. Look at that. I know my shit. I know what I did last week. I know what I'm doing this week. We are three episodes away from the big episode 150. We plan to have some some special non-celebrity guests on that episode. Some, uh, Some ghosts of Valiant Central guest pass will be joining us. Uh, still putting the piece together, but we should get a few. We'll have a few extra people on here. We're three episodes early, Dewan. Damn, we could have made it a, a open bar episode. <laughs> well, you know, when Martin's gone, I, I'd like to have a party cast every chance I get because you know, I actually I tried to get a couple more people on here, and uh, and they both one of them was gonna join us, but then he had something come up at the last minute, and the other one was on the the uh, West Coast, and he just wasn't gonna be home quite in time. For joining us, but it is uh, game two of the World Series. The Dodgers just tied it up with a one-run home run off of Jock Peterson's bat. That is the sports talk until they take the lead, and then I will uh, stop paying attention to whatever you two are saying and uh, start talking baseball again. (laughs) That's what you get, Martin, when you don't show up. Go Yankees. Go Yankees, indeed. Uh, so, but before we get started, because I know me and I know I will forget if we put it off to the end, uh, but I wanted to start off by thanking our patrons for the podcast. Um, so we have, uh, seven patrons currently. Well, one of them is, it's two names on it. So we, we think both of them, uh, I guess Martin usually says the first name and the last initial of the name. I'm very tempted to pull a Simpsons and like do the reverse. Like, uh, did you guys ever see that Simpsons where he was taught, he was like, uh, Lisa S. No, wait, that's too obvious. L. Simpson. <laughs> yes. One of those things, yeah. I'm tempted to do that, but I won't because uh, apparently people like to be anonymous. I don't know. Um, so Julian F., you know, no relations to somebody else with an F, I'm sure. But uh, Milo is acting up again. Certainly not a guest on this episode. Uh, Michael S., Travis W., Mike C., J.L., and Justin E. and Rowan R., that's the twofer that we got going on there. I uh, thank all, you to all of you guys for uh, contributing to the podcast. And I would just like you to all know that you helped pay for – well, I, I guess my my first month of the patron basically bought uh, the, the Rapture trade paperback. So thank you guys for Rapture. I'm looking forward to reading it without the, the watermark in the middle of it. Uh, and that is our, our patron. Anybody who wants to can join uh, our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash uh, – I think it's patreon.com slash Valiant Central. No the, just Valiant Central. You can also go uh, to NerdyLegion.com. Yeah, Legion. come on, join us com. for five bucks. 
Yeah, you go to nerdylegion.com and get a link to it there. You can also find all of our other wonderful Nerdy Legion podcasts that way. Uh, as I mentioned, Dewan is from Collecting Valiant. Ronnie is from every other podcast altogether. So Dewan's also uh, all- on Open Bar with me, so he's got two. So, Ronnie, what's going on? Just uh, walked in, put the headset on, and here we are, buddy. Really? You, you excited about... Uh, Anything exciting and valiant lately? Um, Everything is exciting and valiant lately. I, did, I mean, I did see an exciting tweet that got me excited. From, like how excited were you, Ronnie? I was actually pretty excited because it hadn't even been announced yet. But uh, B. Claymore tweeted out a piece of art that he got in his email. Mm. And it had dinosaurs on it. For uh, Savage 2? Um, that's what we're guessing, but not 100% sure. He didn't confirm or deny those repl- reply tweets, but it sure looked like Savage. Nice. Yeah, Savage. He's a nice guy, too. Like, if, if you ever talk to, like, interact yeah. with him, yeah. he's a super, super nice guy. Yeah, he's a super cool dude. And dinosaurs. Uh oh, Savage 2. Yeah, because Savage 1 kind of just left everybody hanging, didn't it? Just yeah. Left him in the middle of London Square, right? At the Piccadilly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we hear you. Okay. My, my internet's. We're getting a lot of rain right now, so my internet's acting a little bit funny on top of everything else, so. Uh, who knows? Maybe it'll just be you guys hosting the the podcast when I drop off because my internet dies or something. It's we'll an see. open bar takeover. My, my son is already already calling for us again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so so Valiant, we just we just mentioned Ronnie was mentioning uh, the tweets from B Claymore. I'm, I'm I can't wait for Savage too. I really like Savage. Um, I think that's been one of the uh, the newer things that's been most exciting. Have have you guys read Eternity yet? I have. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Me likey too. Me likey. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I didn't. It's a number one, right? But it's not your usual number one where it didn't really feel new reader friendly. You know what I mean? Yeah, with it coming on the tails of uh, of you know the trilogy of divinity, it's you know, obviously this is taking it somewhere else that you know isn't as familiar territory as what we saw in divinity. It's taking us to a whole new world, basically. Um, but yeah, like it definitely it has that kind of build up feel to it. Like you know you you will probably you know I, I mean obviously we've all read all of divinity, so we we don't know what it's like reading it without having read it, but. Um, yeah, if you're if you're just jumping into it, you might feel a little lost. But I'm kind of I'm guessing that they're going to kind of uh, put the pieces together as it goes. Which uh, it's I always prefer it when comics do that and they don't spend too much time rebuilding what's already transpired. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of right. like that feeling dumped into to the middle of a new place. Sometimes, you know. Right. Did it did it remind you of Warriors of Plasm from the the Defiant era? Like the color scheme and a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that you say that, 
Yeah, like the colors and I don't want to spoil it, but like some of the themes like in the middle of the book to the end, it kind of like like Paul said, the, the, you know, you said like the different world aspect. It, it, it did remind me of that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I've heard a lot of uh, reference to Kirby's New Gods stuff as being influenced for this too, and I, I haven't read any of that myself. But just the uh, um, like Matt Ken himself has made comments of that, but kind of his reverence for you know what Jack Kirby created. So yeah, um, I, I can definitely see that as well. Really, yeah, um, and I, I never read the Defiant stuff, um, but yeah, you yeah, know, you don't. Need I think to. the relations probably go back for yeah. Don't worry, I, I won't. So. <laughs> we'll just avoid that. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, there really, there's not a whole lot of uh, of news. We got a few new series that are starting before too long. With you know, Ninja K is not too far down the road. Um, you know, in, in December, so you know, a couple months away, we got uh, Harbinger War Zero coming out. I was just looking through my emails today and saw the the you know, like Valiant's kind of little press release blurb about that saying that it is something that will add more to it for readers who went through the trouble of getting it but uh it's not a required read for harbinger wars 2 so anybody who doesn't get it uh or you know new fans that maybe pick up with harbinger wars 2 they won't be missing out on anything so i'm kind of glad that they called that out because i know people get uh get a little uh, tense about possibly missing out on something you know, like they did with the, the Geomancer book. Oh, yeah. But, you know, just like with the Geomancer book, this stuff is findable after the fact. I, mean, I had a set. I no longer had a set. Now I have a, a set again, thanks to you, Ronnie. <laughs> You're welcome. So, uh, <laughs> thank you. It's very much appreciated. I did have I a question, the plus though. by knowing other people. I had a question yeah, for that? both of you. Mm-hmm. They tried... The new thing was Valiant High, right? For five issues, and it was only on Comixology? Uh-huh. And it hasn't came out for a while. So do you think it's, like, dead? Or is it taking the break uh, for a while, like we did with Rye or Renegade or whatever? It was just It was just a limited series. That's what it was intended to be. Uh... I believe I believe it was even just four issues, but I could be wrong about that. I know I read it all. Um, did you do Comicsology Unlimited, Ronnie? Are yeah. you doing that right now? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so I, I did a free month of that, and that was one of the things that I read because it was on Comicsology Unlimited, mm-hmm. and I I surprised I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Same here, buddy. I enjoyed the yep. crap out of it. It was just different, yeah. and and I kind of liked seeing. Uh, the little kid-ish take on it, like, for you know, for Sammy's age, or, well, I guess it's a little bit older for him still, but, um, you know, just those, it's like uh, pushing out for new readers type thing in the kids' genre area, and I really, I, I think, like, with Divinity being the mechanic kid... You know, I thought it really crossed over really good. Like, they transitioned the characters, and nothing really felt out of place. Yeah, and I, I thought up to the, up to that point, that was the most human they made Livewire come across. Like, that, that's the, the most I ever felt connected with her. And they even had that issue of Unity 
that was just all about Livewire. They they had that arc of unity that was focusing in on each character of unity and kind of telling their story as an individual. Even that one felt impersonable, impersonal to me. But uh, right. Valiant High made her feel much more personal, and you know, Secret Weapons went you know far beyond that. Like uh, Secret Weapons was just the best. I, I think that that has taken Livewire further than anything else has. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, I, I was I was surprisingly entertained by that. I, I thought it was pretty darn good. It was nice to be able to connect to the different characters sort of in a different way. Um, yeah, it was just a fun thing. It was it was good. Uh, would you, did you read it, Duan? Yeah, I thought it was a perfect, like, masterful way of, like, uh, introducing maybe the tweener crowd and the high school crowd into the Valiant universe because it just didn't spoon-feed you uh, the back history of all the characters. It kind of made it into, like, this high school-y uh, Valleydale type of, I don't know if Valleydale is the right word, but you know, kind of Riverdale like a high school style. Riverdale. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Same difference. Valleydale is an old nightclub here in the city, so sorry. But yeah, it was a great way. Like if to if you if you read that and say I'm interested in these characters, and you go back and you read the serious books, you know, their own like Divinity and you know other books. And Valiant, it was a great introduction. You know, it was, it was so it wasn't like force fed to you. It, it told you a little bit about each character and and, and stuff about them, in a neat little cute story or whatnot. I liked it a lot. I did. Yeah. I was impressed. It gives you a taste of all the characters with. Um, so if you like something, then you can go from there. And yeah, you know, I can, uh, I can see it being intimidating to dive into. Valiant Comics characters if you don't really know where to start with. So, I mean, we, we, we know that there have been other series that have been presented in a way to appeal to the non-traditional Valiant audiences, right? Like uh, Faith. Um, oh, shoot. What was the, there was another one that was... Uh, oh, uh, Gen Zero. Uh, you know, those, even with them kind of appealing to different crowds, it was a really kind of focused, narrow story. And I think that this kind of did a better job of giving a taste of, of stuff to people without it being too much pressure. It's you know here's a smorgasbord of everything presented in kind of a different way. One thing that was interesting, uh, bringing up faith. Uh, so Jake Ingman, big Valiant fan, he was out visiting. He, I, actually, I believe he's still even out here right now. Um, he's visiting uh, in Maine, so I got to meet him. You know, not not often do people come to Maine for you know many reasons that I know from Valiant fan, fandom. But uh, yeah. So I, I met up with Jake. We were running around to some comic shops and stuff, and we were talking about Faith some. And uh, he was kind of disappointed with, uh, with Faith and the Future Force, which I find it entertaining. But I get his point where he was hoping that it was going to be something more substantial and see more of, a, of the team, you know? Um, and it is kind of a... A small circuit. It's a it's a story, you know. It's just it's kind of like a in Bloodshot Reborn. How when you get later on in the series, you get the arcs that are you know like one is uh, uh what is that movie called? I always blank on this damn movie now. Which movie? Mad Max. One is oh, like Mad, Mad Max. Max feeling. Right. Yeah, I don't know why I can never remember this. Movie. You see, you get that in Bloodshot Reborn, and I know like Martin always said like he wasn't a big fan of once the series got to there because it was just telling stories, and they gave a reason that they tied together. But 
Um, that's kind of what Faith in the Future Force is. It's not really building a team or building the characters. It's just this little story. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, honestly, I'm not a huge Faith fan, but I enjoyed it because I enjoyed Neela from Ivar. Mm-hmm. So I was glad to see her back, and uh, you know it. It's like one of those kind of like Valiant High type thing. You know what I mean? Like we were talking about. It's just it wasn't one of the top tier books, but it wasn't ever bad either. It was just a good read. Yeah, that's how I felt about it. It was always an entertaining story to read, and I I you know right to your point. I think uh, aside from Faith and Neela, every other character's involvement is kind of they're they're more of a prop than anything. Yeah, um, like a plot point. They're, they're just they're just there. You know? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, Neela and, and Faith are the two that are substantial. But I think getting Neela back in the game is the the best part of it. That because you know, I mean, Faith has always been around. She's always been involved in stuff. So it's not like she's gone away for a while like Neela did. Um, but I think that's kind of, you know, pulling a thread back into prominence here. So hopefully that, you know, this is a sign of things to come and maybe we can get something that is an ongoing or more substantial, uh, because yeah, I think Neil is a great character and that's a character that there's a lot more to explore, you know, whereas with Ivar, there had been some groundwork laid for Ivar already. Plus we also know the history of the character going back, even though the EI isn't building off of the history of VH1. There was still some, you know, there was groundwork laid from VH1 of Ivar. Right. Um, whereas Neela is totally new, so they could do a, a lot of different things with her. Um, and, I mean, a lot of the best stuff Valiant has been doing lately has been uh, with characters that are new creations. They're not spun out of the the old properties, you know? So, yeah, I think they could do, uh, do a lot with Neela. She's always a character that I enjoyed as well. I'm gonna bring you guys. Go ahead, Dewan. Did you? Sorry. Um, when when I read the first issue, I got really excited because it it, it seemed like it was gonna kind of pick up from Ivar Time Walker. Yeah. But as the issues came on, you're like, uh, I felt really disappointed. Like like you like you said, Paul, that you thought the supporting characters would have more of an impact in the story, but they were just. Like you said, props. It kind of it kind of let me down in that aspect. Yeah, it's it's kind of just a little timey wimey story, right? Like mm. it's just uh, here's what happens when you play with time, and you know it's I don't know it's 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 focusing on like a type of story you could tell with time travel that is the least interesting thing to me. I mean it's 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 okay it's it's an okay story, but it's uh, focusing on like what happens when you play with time rather than just you know telling a story that involves time traveling. It's focusing too much on on the details and getting getting kind of cute with what you can do with it, right? They keep on overlapping this. They keep on trying to tweak it a little bit, um, but it makes it feel repetitive. It makes it feel like you're just reading the same thing over and over. Um, I actually argued with Travis about this when he was on it. Um, pretty much for the sake of arguing, because it's not like I had the strongest of feelings about it. But because uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he was saying that he was frustrated with issue two because it didn't really get anywhere. So I argued with him for like 20 minutes about how it was necessary to build the feel of the story. Um, 
and the Groundhog Day like effect of it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, if Bill Murray was in this, it'd be much better. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it's, Bill it's Murray like. makes everything better. Yeah, but how does yeah. it tie into Harbinger War Two? Because it, it seems like Valiant is really being. Um, they're trying to tie all their stories in other than the uh, Valiant High stories into what's going to happen in Harbinger Wars 2. So maybe I'm just being naive, but I'm, how's it going to how's it going to fit in? I mean, because, we're you know, we're all saying like it's kind of disappointing or it was just like an offshoot story. But I don't think it's an offshoot story. I think it's going to play in somewhere somehow along down the line a little bit. See, to me. I just, the only way I can think of it tying in, and I could be totally wrong, which I probably am, but um, it's just to reintroduce us to Ank and Neela. So, like, if they do show up in Harbinger Wars 2, then they're fresh on our mind. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, but you would think you would tell a better story. It's almost well, like they're trying. Do you think it's like almost they're they're trying to explain how uh, time travel works because it's going to impact Harbinger War Two at some point, and it's probably going to be at the end where some kooky fluke thing in time travel is going to change uh, the Harbinger War Two, the battle, the epic battle. It's going to come in and flip the scene or flip the scenario to where it's going to change it and set everything right or whatnot or set the universe going forward a certain way now that's kind of how i thought about it do you do you think that you're down on it because we just got a time story with Stalinverse so fresh from that Mm, i didn't think about it well see Stalinverse wasn't a time travel story though it was like a parallel universe story well, yes, technically in the timey wimey way, but I, I just, yeah, you're right. Okay. I agree with you, Ronnie. It, it's it, now that you think about it, now that you said that, there's you got two timey wimey stories here, right? You got faith in the future force and all the stuff that happened in Ivar, and then you got this timey wimey stuff with divinity, right? Because we, it's not timey wimey. It's parallel universes. Respect the parallel universes. Totally well, different. I see what you're saying, Paul, but damn it. Yeah, even in <laughs> Divinity, they're talking about... Am I spoiling this? Is this, is this eternity you're not about to say this? No, thing? actually, you are kind of right with uh, with Divinity and all that about how they said that they have the, the ability to um, they, basically move to any page in the story at any time. They're kind of... Right. Yeah, so you are right there. There, there is an element of that. Like, in... in Faith in the Future Force or an Ivar, the time travel is the the, the prominent aspect. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Divinity, it's more like that's uh, the the backdrop. It's like the bleeding monk, where the bleeding monk kind of exists across this thread all at once. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's kind of more like that, where it, it's it is an aspect, but that's not the primary focus. You know, whereas like with with the other one, like the focus of the story is on the time travel. Yeah, you are right. I mean, they, they did move around in time and in, in uh, divinity. Yeah, and even in, and even in divinity, you saw, you know, didn't didn't he say, well, you're not supposed to be here. This is not right, and I'm gonna let, you know, in Stalinverse, I'm gonna let this this, you know, what was what were the lady the fighting lady groups? What were they called? Damn it, um, the Red Brigade. 
the Red Brigade, yeah, you know, he's going to let certain aspects of them stay along, stay in the universe, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then, damn it, did he say something about EXO, like you're not supposed to be here? That was in Divinity Zero. When, right. When Divinity saw EXO on Goran. Yeah. He's like, you're not supposed to be here. Right. So that that's what triggered me to say, like, you know, Valiant's kind of hinting at, hinting at, you know, these time travel and, and trying to explain what time travel and, and, and things are, manipulation with time travel is. So that's kind of how I brought them both together. Long story short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. I'm not even drinking beer, and I, I came up that came up with that. What? That's kind of cool. See, <laughs> 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 so I'm, I'm used to recording with Martin, and I like he, he carries the the conversation mostly, and I could just argue the whole time, so I don't have to pay attention. So I was like, it's cool because I'm going to be watching the World Series game, and it doesn't really matter because whatever he says, I'll just argue with it. <laughs> and then he bails on me, so I'm like, ah. Oh, so then he throws you a curveball. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. bastard. Hey, if you, you watch this World me. Series, you watch this World Series, and me and Ronnie will turn this into open bar really fast. <laughs> well, you can't have open bar if we're not, none of us are drinking, though. Should, nope. should I play the Daryl role and just start talking about, like, all the, the times I got late <laughs> when I was, like, 20? Oh. And the Uber Eats, you got to get some Uber Eats going. Yeah, I have not been on open bar without Daryl talking about what it was like to get laid in the 1940s. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag sorry, yeah. not sorry. Yeah. Home run! No way. Did Three he? one Dodgers. Damn it. Aaron had a question. What did he have? Paul, do you want? Uh, Paul celebrate. Talk to me, Ronnie. Talk to me, Ronnie. Paul celebrate. Did Aaron ask another question or just the first one? Just the first one. Um, So Aaron asked, uh, "What was my favorite baseball card?" Is that what he asked? The most prized baseball card. Most prized. Um, Do either have either of you ever collected uh, baseball cards or any other sports cards? Yes. Hell yes. 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 Guys, start. Wait, what what card do you remember the most from uh, from collecting? Did you guys collect as as kids? Did you ever collect as adults? I kids. had I have both. Mm-hmm. Um, and my most prized card that I ever had was a Bob Gibson rookie card. Oh, right. nice. Of course, yeah. yeah um, I'm a Cardinals fan, but yeah. I had I had an old one. I forgot who he was. But I think at the time, the one the one I was most excited about, I had an uh, a 89 King Griffey Jr. upper deck rookie card, and I had him sign it. I went to a card show, and he signed it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was mine. Those memories are even better, like when you get those memories. Uh, so I, I collected as a kid, then I didn't collect for a long time, then I collected for a couple of years as an adult, and then I got out of that uh, because it was uh, – a lot of money and um i had started getting into comics too and i was like well they both cost money but comics you're also like paying for entertainment value so right kind right. of makes sense to me. um as a kid i would say that my favorite cards that i had because i never had anything that was real valuable I, I bought a lot of cheap stuff as a kid because as a kid you want quantity um 
the Nolan Ryan cards I had were my favorite cards. Oh, yeah, um, that was awesome. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, he, it was, uh, I mean, I think he was still playing baseball some, but it was definitely, like, you know, past his prime towards the end of his career. But he was just always a, a legend. Um, and, like, his cards kind of told his story. So, like, that's how I got, that's how I was familiar with Nolan Ryan was through through cards. Um I never had anything real valuable. I mean, as you know, I was always a Dodgers fan, so of course, like you know, my Dodgers cards, but none really stood out, out uh, big time. Um, as an adult, my my favorite baseball. I, I didn't buy as many baseball cards because that's uh, as far as collecting goes. That was my least favorite to collect because, like, I, in baseball, I really only like the Dodgers. I'm not like a bigger base. Like, I wouldn't be watching the World Series if the Dodgers was weren't in it, but. I did have a Clayton Kershaw autograph card that I bought for my card shop at one point. That was probably my favorite baseball card. That's cool. Yeah. I, I, um, one thing, and then we can get off the baseball card thing. Um, you guys there? When I was... Yeah. Yeah, can you hear me? Paul? All right. Hey. Just keep going, Ronnie. He'll cut, jump in. You know, he's right. got that Missouri... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My internet's bad because of uh, because of the storm. Sorry, guys. No, you're good. No, you're fine. Uh, I don't know how much you heard of what I said. Do you hear me now? We, you we, heard the whole we, thing. We've heard all of you, yeah. So, so like, m- one of my main possessions right now, ball card related wise, um, my dad and I didn't really get along when I was a kid and through the teenage years. But, like, baseball brought us together, especially the home run chase with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Mm-hmm. So, for one year for Father's Day, he got me, he got four cards in a four-card frame. But at the same time, I got the same four-card frame with different mm-hmm. four cards in it. And we totally mm-hmm. didn't know, but we both got a Babe Ruth card and then a Sammy Sosa card. Or a Roger Maris card, and then a Sammy Sosa card, and a Mark McGuire card. Damn. But, I mean, like, the Babe Ruth and Roger Maris obviously were reprints or whatever, but... Right. So we gave each other the same gift of the four-card home run chase thing, and we didn't even know. That oh, that's each, awesome. So, like, when this episode comes out, I'll tweet out a picture of it. It's in my office at work. Look at you. But, yeah, I would say sentimental value, that's probably the card thing that I have that's... Because I haven't really collected cards forever. You know what? Now that you talk about it, you know what my first kind of cards I got was when I first started collecting as a kid? It was a 1985 Topps traded set with the Jose Canseco... Oh, yeah, rookie card? Traded, yeah, like yeah. His, his traded rookie card. It had Bobby Bonilla in there. yeah. Uh, though was it Bonds? Uh, Bonds is, was did it have the big black? Uh, yep, border on the top. Border on the top. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was the traded set, so right, it was yeah. like the so supplemental set. It was the updated set at the end. Yeah, right. and yeah. the red, the, the red and white box that yeah. was yeah. valuable. I loved that. That Conseco card made it worth it. Yeah, you know the whole nine. That was that was my favorite. Um, that's what got me in there. So, 
so back and Martin's going to gonna kill us. He's going to kill us for talking baseball cards. That's all right. We can go back to Valiant now. Oh, crap. Paul disconnected, mm-hmm. and I just lost the... It said recording finished. Oh, damn it. Let me hang up, and I'll call you guys right back. All right. All right. All right, it started again. Okay. So, so we're back. We're not talking baseball yeah. cards anymore. We're talking Valiant. That's right. So what are you most excited about right now, um, Valiant-wise? You know, we haven't recorded Collecting Valiant a lot, and I don't want to spoil what we're going to talk about. So there's a lot of, like, uh, um, Well, low- you don't have to... Th- yeah, you don't have to talk to like about the collected part of it, just like a series-wise or whatnot. Yeah, there's some Harbinger Renegade books that have super low print runs that are cool. And the metal books, you know, we've got right. the second yeah. one, and then Ninja K is coming out and whatnot. So yeah. I, I'm excited about that because I think we're all burnt out. I think EXO really kicked our ass. And, yeah, because uh, what, it had... 27 different covers is that right or 21 yeah poor justin man you know he's got to get them all and yeah, he's burnt he out he is the collector yeah he's burnt out and you know my man justin moved so you know we've we've been kind of burnt jim, out you mean hmm? jim jim yep yeah, my man jim yeah. damn it um so but there's a lot of cool shit from new york common con that that, that we want to talk about so that's what I'm excited about, but I'm, I'm still gearing up for Harbinger War, man. So, so kind of what my previous comments were, like, I'm trying to figure out, like, how all these books tie into Harbinger Wars, too. Right. And, yeah. and that's, like, the, the nice chase for me, uh, or the, you know, I'm kind of, like, being detective. So when we talk about Faith in the Future Force, I'm like, how does it tie in, you know? Right. Um, because, you know. Like the big spider web. Yeah. Right? What, what goes with what, and how does this fit into that? Yeah, because, you know, Valiant, you know, at times, it seems like, like especially like with the Bloodshot books, they'll, they'll extend it out maybe an arc or two more than what it should be. And you kind of feel disappointed at the end, or they may wrap it up really quick at the end, and you're like, ah, uh, really? You know, that last issue where you're looking for the big crescendo, you know, and you're like, this is, yeah, it was, was kind of disappointing, so... I'm not so much looking at the individual issues as as being like entertaining or like telling me something revealing. I'm looking at the whole story as a whole. The big yeah, yeah. Right. How's it going to yeah. tie in? Because I think that's what what their goal is now in my mind. Yeah. They're reshifting focus. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah, they're all pointing to one target, so they're trying to take. It's real. Everything's really wide now. Everything they try to tell up until this point is really wide, and it's all over the place. And and I, I think they're going to try to narrow it into a narrow it into a point. And stay on target. Stay on target. Target. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I agree with you because I think, like at relaunch, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you only had those four books come out, and then when they hit. It gave them liberty to do other things, right? right? Or feel free to do other things, but in that narrow scope. And then as they got more popular and bigger, you can get wider with different things. Right. But now, like you said, it's to the point where, you know, we had trial and error type stuff, right? Mm. Uh, Valiant High, which we talked about, 
was a trial and error because they'd never done that before. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So then once you get wide in the scope of things and then, and now I think you guys are right. Like everything's starting to come back. Yeah. And, And it's interesting. I don't know how they do it from a creative side, you know, um, because, you know, yeah, they want to introduce right. new characters, like they brought Divinity in, you know, and they're trying to uh, bring, like, Rampage in and, and do all this other right. stuff and still yet try to tie it all in to tell this big story. Like, they're letting us know we're going to tell this one big story and it's all going to tie in, but yet they're still trying to build the universe at the same time. So it's like you're trying right. to focus in, stay on target, but then you kind of expand out. So you got, like, Savage and Britannia. Like, how's that all going to play in? I mean, because they're all over the place, man. You're talking about going in the past, in the future, right. nowadays. Well, and and kind of, what, two years ago on Free Comic Book Day, we got, or was it last year when Psylord's coming soon, we got, right? Right. Well, just like we got before, like I said, like what we were talking about before, the Twitter thing with B. Clay Moore, he just tweeted that out, right? It's October 2017. We might not see Savage 2 until 2019, right? That's terrible. What do you mean? Well, I mean, why, 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 I mean, I understand, you know, having a story planned out two or three years in advance, but having artwork two years in advance? Well, I'm just saying, maybe, maybe it's this time next year before we actually get issue one. Yeah, right? I see what you're saying. Because because Harbinger Wars two is going to be the summer event, right? Yeah. So then everything else will be the fallout or whatever. Well, I hope it's not. Yeah, that BS makes sense. Though. Hey, Paul. But I'm I hope back. they don't yeah, break. I switched to my phone. I think this will probably be better. But talk about Savage. I hope they don't bring you back cheesy just to insert him into Harbinger Wars two really quickly. I think they did a really good job with the first series. And to bring him back like half-ass just to fit him into the current Harbinger War story would be it, – it'd be disappointing to me, really. Yeah, I think really. like Ronnie just said, we, we'll probably see Savage after Harbinger Wars too because they, they're they not going to want to force him in there. Uh, it, I, I don't think it would really add anything if they did force him in there, you know, so – that makes sense. Right. What, like, if, you know I mean? if we did, it might be like a panel or two cameo spot at the end, you know, in London or whatever with Ninjak there. But I don't think it'll be. I don't think he'll be a main player in it. Yeah, that was one of the problems with uh, you know Unity and VH1. I thought was that they forced everybody into it, and some of the characters just felt felt awkward. They didn't feel like they belonged there, and they were just kind of finding something for them to do. But, uh, you know, do you think that was because of the editor thing that you guys talked about a couple of episodes back? In VH1? Uh, How awkward. No, no, oh, I'm talking about VH1? VH1 Unity, yeah. Oh, Which I, okay. I guess okay. you could say was an editor thing, though, because it was a shooter <laughs> thing. But even yeah, then, right. like, you know, when they did it in VH1, it was, uh, they were making a, a very firm statement about the scope of the universe, and I think that that was, uh, you know, a, a positive thing that they did it that way, um, even if it did feel kind of forced. But, um, you know, just if, it, if it, after that, like now, if they force characters into stuff now, it just it, it feels awkward. Um, but what you mentioned about the the, um, 
the editor thinks that was something that Aaron had mentioned to us from when he was at NYCC. Um, and the specific example he gave was War Mother, that arc of unity, um, and that it was just Warmonger. Monger, yeah, sorry, thank you. Um, and that it it kind of the kind of the editor kind of ran what they wanted into a place they didn't want it to go, and it kind of ruined it. Um, so you know that's I, I think that now that you know from what Aaron was saying, if if, if it's all true. Uh, <laughs> sorry um <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> then uh one of the pluses of what we're seeing now and heading into harbinger wars 2 is that if dinesh and warren have really taken the reins firmly under their control we're going to see a much more unified vision of stuff so we're not going to see stuff being kind of like sloppily put together and forced together like you know we I think we have seen some of that over that like you know year year and a half that you know they just kept on adding more stuff right so no no tell me this i read a book about a month ago was it war mother or another book there are some new editors like co-editors that valiant's using so i know we talked about the warmonger issue but isn't there like some other editors coming on board I know they, they are they, now. Yes. Yeah, they're start. I think they're starting to add people back in, but they're probably. I mean, from from what Aaron said, this is all kind of speculating on just little comments without having followed up on it or got any other comments about it. But um, you know that you need more editors to be able to grow your scope of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and to be able. I mean, even even just with six books, because of the fact that part of the reason that Valiant's able to be successful in the quality that they do in the the release schedule and everything like they've never released a comic late. They've released, you know, hardcovers and stuff like that late, but that's a different story. Um, It's because they have that scope and they're looking so far out in advance. They have stuff ready to print before it's needed, Um, which is why they, you know, stuff like B. Clay Moore can share art from, for a book that we're probably not going to see for a year. Um, So for them to be able to have that kind of scope into the future, you know, even with only six books, if they have to focus 100% on the here and now, how far can they look into the future? So they start getting new editors in, and instead of you know getting them in and letting them loose too soon, maybe they stick with them more and they, they keep involvement in it and you know really grow it as a team. I think it's one of the things in earlier VEI that we saw a lot of like kind of team unity, and even you know when. Writers weren't they weren't writing crossovers. They weren't writing stuff that was going to work together. They still knew what was going on in other people's stuff, and they have those uh, retreats. They used to always tweet about those retreats that they would have, um, and I haven't seen a tweet about that in a while. So I don't know if they did that, you know, the the last year when they, I mean, maybe I just saw it and got used to it, and so I forgot about it. But um, yeah, they need that that unity of vision. So any editors they bring in, like it's going to be better if they really work with those editors and they're all on the same page. And you get the you know the other people's input, but um, but the 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 vision still has to fit together, you know. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about that a lot from the right. standpoint of writers, like you know, especially talking about Dice Art and why didn't he do Renegade. And as great as a writer as he, as he is, if his vision didn't fit in with the overall vision that they wanted, you know, 
sometimes sometimes even some of the the greatest creators aren't going to create the right thing for the overall picture even if that one title would have been better than it could have than you know it ended up being or whatever so i don't know it's uh, i'm i i just hope that they do keep the you know a, a tighter constraint on the quality across titles so you don't get this kind of fracturing of stuff that it felt like we had for that time frame yeah you know at some point somebody sent me a I don't know if it was a tweet, a picture, like maybe a dry erase board of from one of those meetings you were talking about, Paul. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of had some things redacted on it, but it was kind of telling how everything fit in. You know, and there was there was names out there. Maybe Savage was on there at some point before Savage mm-hmm. was known to come out. I want to look at that again and kind of see if what we could tie together. Like, yeah, see how much stuff on? came to fruition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How much of it was misinformation? How much of it, you know, is actually coming together? And what maybe some of that redacted stuff is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always like it's always cool to go stuff. back and see those things. Yeah, because they've done that in all the years they've been doing this. They'll show a picture of, a, like you said, like the a dry. I know exactly what you're talking about. But they'll show a picture of, you know, like uh, just a desk covered with stuff and you can kind of get little glimpses of stuff here and there. But if you don't know what you're looking for, it's like you're going to, you know, really pick anything out of it. Um, Yeah, that stuff's always cool because it gives you kind of little things to think about. And when they teased dinosaurs, then everybody was saying, oh, Turok, are they going to get the gold key properties back here? So you get all this speculation Mm -hmm. with that stuff. And, uh, you know, it sparks conversation. That's interesting conversation. Um, the only thing that kind of drove me nuts about that specific one is that everybody's looking for ways to make, uh, you know, analogies between stuff that is coming out and having to have something relate to all the gold key properties. Like, oh, well, Divinity is like Solar. Mm-hmm. Divinity ain't shit like Solar. I mean, he has, you know, more power than any other of the characters that we've seen like Solar did. But, and I mean, their their origins were very different how they use their power is very different. Their personalities and their attitudes are very different. Um, yeah. I mean, Solar is just energy, you know? Uh, Divinity, like, has never been portrayed that way. So I think, you know, people start looking for ways to force it. And I, I that I found kind of annoying. It's like, I don't need to be told that this thing that I'm reading that's great is, oh, well, they did this because it's this. No, it's, it's not. It's this new thing that they did. So you don't have to make it fit into... Uh, you know, fit into a little box just so that way you can, you know, compartmentalize everything. I couldn't agree with you more uh, because, you know, it, at, at first I wanted to have the Torox and the and the Solar and the Magnus back, but then they couldn't bring it into this universe. It, they would have to do another Unity to try to get it meshed in, and and that's yeah. half-assed and, and stuff. And so what they're doing with Divinity and all these new characters, I like it because they, they have certain aspects of the old characters that they, you know, the go-key characters, but then they just made it better. Like you said, with the Divinity, they made it better. They didn't, like you said, they didn't, they weren't confined with the box of, okay, this is what Solar was, and this is what Magnus was, and this is what Turok was, and you can only work within that box. They're like, we're just going to make our own stuff. And Lucy yeah, based exactly. off of them. I love it. I love what they're doing. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's more modernized of the older characters. And they have more flexibility now. You yeah, know? and you can 
you can take character elements like you know uh, basic elements from things and it still be its own thing and not just be uh you know taking something and tweaking it a little bit but doing the same thing basically um it's like uh, you know we were talking about bloodshot reborn and they had the the story arc that was basically like the mad max type of feel and i saw somebody say oh well they're just ripping off old man logan and uh this was in i think this was in the big valiant facebook group that i saw i was like that is the stupidest thing i've ever heard if you're gonna say they're ripping something off like go back to the damn source material at least like don't say they're ripping off something (laughs) else that ripped off the you know like old man logan was doing the same thing like taking it from mad max and mad max probably took that that type of story from somewhere else mad max it's just kind of like our well, I kind think of. They said that too because Lemire was writing both at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, and yeah, I mean, it, the the original Old Man Logan that was written by Mark Millar had that Mad Max feel to it. Yeah, I don't really yes. know about the Correct. Lemire Old Man Logan. I don't think I don't think that did right. Like that wasn't that kind of a feel. It was Lemire's Old Man Logan was like Old Man Logan in current day, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but the Mark, the Mark Miller one was old Max, old Mad Max style. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, you know, when, when people say, well, this is ripping this off, but like they're both coming from an older, or they're both being influenced by an older source material. Just like you know, we were saying about uh, Eternity and the thing from that other shitty thing that uh, uh, Shooter did. What was it called? Uh, Defiant. Mm-hmm. Um, Defiant. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like both of those, the reason they're probably similar is because they're trying to copy Defiant. It's because they both are like drawing from the same source material of old Jack Kirby stuff, you know? Mm, so. Right. Now, did, you can now, make a, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, nah, that's fine. You can go ahead. Mm, what, what, that Bloodshot's that Mad Max story arc, I thought that was a waste. Did you guys think that was just like filler? Like, I, I was you know what? the one I was disappointed in. Looking back on some of those stories now, um, I, I have a couple feelings about it. Like when I was reading them as they were coming out, I just enjoyed them. They were just enjoyable. That, that's I mean that's all I really cared about. I was enjoying reading them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't read the same quantity of comics as a lot of other people. So I can see if, like from Martin's perspective where he reads, you know, I, I, his poll list is like 80 books a month or some shit. Like that's crazy. Um, or it was then at least maybe even more. But so if you're reading that many comic comics, then you could say like, I want my bloodshot to be bloodshot and mm-hmm. I don't want it to like be anything else, you know? Um, for me, it, I'm not reading that many different things. So if I'm reading Bloodshot and they take an arc and they go in a you know different place and tell a different kind of a story, I just it doesn't matter to me. I just enjoy it because I don't need my Bloodshot to stay in this little straight line. Looking back at it, uh, those stories are much less consequential to me now, as if mm-hmm. you know if it had been a continual build of a of a storyline. Um, the positive side of of some of those arcs. Um, like that one, Bloodshot Island, um, mm-hmm. Bloodshot USA, uh, is they were fun stories that you didn't really have to know what came before or after to read them and enjoy them. And because they did have those elements of familiar stories to them, 
mm-hmm. it was something that was uh, approachable to um, to outside readers to pick up something new and try it and get acquainted with a lot of these things. So I think that's the positive side of it. But in hindsight, like you know, what you're saying about being disappointed, like I wouldn't say I was disappointed with it, but I totally get what you're saying too that um, it doesn't have the same impact on me now as you know, the first couple of arcs did that were, you know, really building off of the Valiant and growing a story and growing the characters and all that. Yeah. I just thought they could have told that story in like a one issue and set up the next art of Bloodshot Island. <laughs> you know, that that's how I took it. It's like, man, you really drug out this, you know, really? Because yeah, I, I was like you, Paul, I was in it when I read it. Like, oh, OK, where's this is interesting. They're, they're taking this on a different tangent. How is this going to end up? And the way it ended up, I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Like, the, you, you had us, you, you had me going there. And I mean, that's smart on their part, but I was disappointed on it. I'm like, if you just yeah, want to tell that it'll story. It'll be interesting when, uh, when I get to reading it in trade, because I, I've been building my Valiant Trade Library and uh, I haven't been reading through a whole lot yet because I've been trying to polish off some other stuff and kind of clear up a backstock of stuff that I have. But you know, at some point, I'm going to start like rereading through everything that I'm building up. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting when I get to the the whole Bloodshot, Bloodshot Reborn, and so on and so forth, and see, uh, you know, see how those stories read and trade. Because like I know I'm going to go back when I you know sticking with Bloodshot Reborn, those first couple of arcs. Where it's uh you know him hunting down the nanites basically, uh like I know like that that was a great great story and that was very suspenseful and very building. Um, you even got new characters added in there with uh was it Festival was the the detective was that her name or was that the the guy? Yeah, that, that's her name. Uh, that's her name. Okay. Um, you got her who was a yeah I mean she was a good character uh, to add in who they didn't make her hugely substantial even though she's a big part of that story but you know at some point they're going to pull her back into other stuff and you're gonna be like oh man you know look, look at her get involved again mm-hmm. um yeah you know and then when i get up past that and get on to some of those other arcs you know i'm gonna be like yeah i guess you know i don't know like I, I don't it won't be the same it won't be as uh as good as you know rereading through that stuff yeah I like. Uh, I agree. I agree. Yeah, if you look at it in its totality, it'll be good. But uh, at the time, I I didn't like it. But I did like Reborn, and I'm liking Salvation. So, so they're, they're yeah, I haven't job. read uh, Salvation two yet. I read the first issue, but I'm a little behind on on reading stuff. But yeah, you know, Je- Jeff Lemire writes character stories really well. He makes you care about characters very quickly. Um, and I think that he did that in the first part of Bloodshot Reborn. And then, you know, the stuff he did after that, like, I don't know, it felt more like when I read, when he writes Marvel titles or something like that, where you can, you can tell he doesn't have the same love for it that he has for his, uh, you know, his own projects. Mm. Um, like I just started reading, uh, Descender again. I just, just finished up the first trade of Descender, which I think is as far as I've read before. I don't think I've read past that until now. Um, and when I read it the first time and I was reading it monthly and it would just kind of got lost in the mix of everything else I was reading, you know, I liked it fine, but it wasn't really hitting me, you know, now reading it as a trade. 
Yeah. It, it doesn't give you the chance to really, like, settle into this world that he, he's building, you know? But being able to read it as a trade, like, you really get the feel for the world, and you start to uh, feel for the characters very quickly with uh, Lemire's stuff. But, you know... I mean, what's he doing now? So he's he's done with Marvel, right? And is he doing DC stuff now? Yeah, he's doing a couple of titles at DC. Hmm. And then Salvation, obviously. Yeah, and he's got plenty of his own stuff going on, too. Descender's still going. Yeah. Uh, what's his other book? Black Hammer. Well, I love Black Hammer. And then the spinoff to Black yeah, Hammer came yeah. out last week, I think. Oh, what is that? Oh, that's out? I, I lost track of when that was yeah. coming out. It I re- was... Uh, Something Frankenstein, I think. Mm. Yeah. To where it's actually Black Hammer's daughter, I think. Ooh. That's awesome. I'm I'm excited to get more into that world. I read a little bit of Black Hammer, but same thing. There was just you know so so many different things I was trying to keep up with and whatever. So now that I've like settled into trade reading, I, I dig it a lot more. But uh, yeah, the Black Hammer stuff and then seeing this new one coming out, I love it because it's uh, you know it's Lemire's stuff, but it. It has a similar feel to a lot of the stuff that I like about the Hellboy world of stuff. You know, the art style, yes. the coloring, yes. um, yeah. the feel of the characters where they're, um, they are, oh, they're supernatural, but not at the same time, you know? Like, Hellboy is a demon child brought to, to the world, you know? But, like, he's also this regular kind of guy, you know, who just happens to be, uh, you know, super powerful and red, you know, <laughs> uh, but you can relate to him like a person too. And you can kind of relate to the, just the struggles of coping with being who he is when he just wants to be, you know? Um, and I, I think that, uh, Lemire's stuff is kind of like that. Like you can feel a connection with, uh, with the characters. Yeah. He does a good job. <laughs> totally agree. Yeah, he does an awesome job. Super awesome job. Yeah. <sighs> uh, his that book's called Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil is what that book's called. That's right, Sherlock Frankenstein. Um, did you guys ever read? Uh, Jeff Lemire did a book for DC, and then it was actually taken over by a Matt Kent. Um, and it was uh, I'm trying to remember what it was called. It was Frankenstein something or. Other, but Frankenstein it was, agent of shit. Yeah, that's it. That was that was a hell of a fun book. That was a good book. Yeah, it was funny too, just seeing it be Jeff Lemire handed off to Matt Kent too. So you know, two of my favorite writers, and that was I want to say that was one of the. Well, I guess Matt Kent hasn't really done a ton of stuff for the big two, but um, he did a Spider-Man book. Yeah. He did that. He did the. It's on. It's on Marvel Unlimited. If you got it. Yeah. I don't have it right now, but I have. I I did have it like saved in my library when I had it before, and then I just never got around to reading it. Spider-Man book, you said. Yeah, it's only. Um. I think it's only like a six-page or a six-issue miniseries, but. Yeah. It was a, I think it's like Spider-Man Rain or something. I'm looking it up right now. I pulled up my Unlimited. It's kind of funny to see that you know those two guys. They're good friends. They've worked together on different stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting seeing the uh, 
the difference in their careers, even with like the, you know, the, the closeness and a lot of the stuff that they've done, you know, they, their creator own stuff is, is very important to both of them. But like Matt Kent has just really made his niche and doing his own thing. And, um, you know, a lot of creator own stuff and working for the smaller publishers uh, and definitely here, like he keeps on doing his own stuff too. But then he also like always has his stuff going with the big two. Um, yeah, it's just kind of interesting to me. Uh, did either of you guys read uh, After Death? I've read the first issue and some of the second. It's just kind of a longer read for me, so I've, I haven't got into it. But I bought them all. I haven't read them yet. Yeah, I I had to push through it, but I, I read through those. Uh, Martin and I actually talked about it some um, on our most recent Patreon-exclusive episode, which isn't out yet even. Uh, so you guys can, you know, become patrons and uh, and then check that out, listeners. Um, that should be coming out in, I guess, probably like a couple weeks. I know Martin just released the Gotham by Gaslight Patreon exclusive episode not too long ago. Uh, but yeah, we, we we talked about it a little bit. But Martin, same thing. He hadn't finished it. They're they're heavy. They're playing with structure a lot. Um, one of the things that struck me about it is uh, Scott Snyder writes it, and Jeff Lemire does the artwork. So, you know, my draw for it, obviously, is Jeff Lemire. Um, you know, although I like Scott Snyder, fine. Like, I, you know, I enjoyed his Batman. Um, but uh, yeah, reading it, I'm just, just like, man, this would be so much better if Jeff Lemire wrote it. Because in all the words that Scott Snyder uses to tell that story, uh, he doesn't make you care about the characters as much as Jeff Lemire can with, like, five words and some well-drawn panels. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, Spider Man yeah. Fight Night. That sounds like something Matt Kent would write. Fight Night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Spider Man Fight Night. I gotta look that up, guys. Gotta look it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys want to wrap it up? Uh, yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. It's getting kind of late here, and I guess my wife uh, has food poisoning, so. It's been an interesting evening here in this stormy, uh, stormy main weather right now. But, um, you know, real quick question before we wrap up. Uh, final thoughts from you guys. Uh, aside from Valiant, we know we all read Valiant stuff. Um, what is so, something that you're reading that's what, like one of your favorite things? It doesn't even have to be a current book, but, uh, you know, even a couple of things. What, what things are really floating your boats right now? For Valiant? Just anything. I, outside, we'll stay outside of Valiant. We all know we we dig Valiant and what we're reading in Valiant. We talk about that plenty. But for me, like I, I said, uh, I'm I'm starting to go through and read some of these series that I've been wanting to read for a long time and reading them in uh, in trades. So just you know, really staying focused on a series. And I just started Descender. I finished the first trade and I started on the second trade tonight. Uh, and I'm really digging that. Um, and, uh, oh, God, what the hell did I just finish up? I just finished up something else that I really liked. Uh, but, yeah, it, it feels really good doing that, just really digging into a series instead of, you know, floating around from issue to issue sometimes. I think they're both good things. but um, And I just got all three hardcovers of Sweet Tooth. So that, that's one that I have on deck, too, to read is uh, all of Lemire's Sweet Tooth, which is one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about, what about you, Duan? What have you been reading Aside from Valiant, that excites you. I like Thanos still. I'm, 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 
trying to catch up with that. I like that. And Baby Teeth. That was the one that, that Lemire was writing, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, before he, before he got off. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like it a lot. And Baby Teeth. By Donny Cates. Mm-hmm. Have you ever read Ghost Fleet by Donny Cates? Mm-mm. You should you should give that a shot. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling Martin would like Ghost Fleet. Just a, a crazy hunch there. Yeah, I think so. We talked about that quite, quite a bit actually too on the the Patreon episode was a uh, Ghost Fleet. And <laughs> that's one of the things. It was mostly a hoopla episode uh, talking about hoopla and the positives of it, and it's free, so people should oh, take cool. advantage of it. But uh, yeah, um, Donny Cates is interesting. Um, I'm, you know, I think you guys have told me that Baby Teeth isn't really up my alley, but I've been digging Donny Cates. I might have to check that one out when I can uh, get my hands on it, because uh, I've been hearing a lot of good about it from a lot of people. Uh, Thanos, though, uh, I know. Ja- I think that's one of the ones that Jack really digs. I'll have to yeah, check Jack that one really out too. Yeah. I, I kind of got. Uh, I shied off of Jeff Lemire's Marvel stuff. Um. After a while, his. His, the, the first Hawkeye stuff that he did just really didn't draw me in, so I kind of backed off. And then uh, he, the X-Men he was doing, I read the first issue, and was just like, nope, not reading this X-Men. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about you, Ronnie? So I, I'm assuming Baby Teeth is probably up there on your list. Baby, Baby Teeth is up there on my list, and um, other Donny Cates books that are coming out, like Redneck and God Country. Oh, Redneck, oh. yes, Redneck. Yeah. I've heard of Redneck, but I, I didn't. The name didn't mean anything to me at the time, so I, I didn't, uh, you know, didn't make the connection. God Country is good. Though. I read that the first yes. volume of that. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yep. Yeah. God Country. And really um, good. I'm going back on one of our favorite writers and rereading Echo again from Terry Moore. I gotta get diving in. I I've been uh, bad about Terry Moore. I um, I've been keeping up with Motor Girl. The last issue is coming out next month. Um, yeah. But I, I have the omnibus for stra- um, for Strangers in Paradise, and I have the omnibus for Echo, and I need to maybe I'll just hit Echo first because it's uh, the shorter series, obviously, and then I'll start digging into Strangers. I would kind of like to get through all the Strangers in Paradise before it uh, relaunches in January relaunches. with the next series. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, Terry Moore's good. Motor Girl has just been fantastic. What? Yeah, Motor Girl is like one of my favorite books out right now yeah i completely agree with you it's like a it, i know this but isn't what this uh podcast is about but like you think it's like gonna be corny and cheesy and then it's like gut punch after gut punch yeah you know that's um i talked about this with somebody at some point on a podcast but it's been a while so i don't remember when or what but i mean it starts out you pick up this comic book and it has this you know like gorilla on the cover and then uh then you see these like really cartoony aliens so like you you go into it expecting like light-hearted cheesiness and then even that very first issue you read it and like you get a lot of that but then when you get the uh the serious thread in it it just because you get set up for it to be so like light-hearted and loose then those serious things just jab you so hard and it gets yeah. heavier and heavier as you go in the book, man. Yep, agreed. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you also for uh, for carrying the podcast while my internet was going in and out. <laughs> um, 
you guys, of course, are always welcome to join us. And if you want to join us in a few weeks for the 150th episode, uh, we'll be getting the details put together for that soon. I know I was talking to a couple other guys today who uh, hopefully will also be on it. Um, but you can find us on Twitter. The podcast is at Valiant underscore Central. You can tweet Martin at Geekvine. I am at Who's Paul. Uh, you can find Ronnie on Twitter at RonBar316. Uh, check out his other podcasts on Nerdy Legions, such as Open Bar with Dewan and whoever else joins whenever they do it. Um, as well as, uh, what do you guys call the DC podcast now? Absolute DC. Absolute DC, uh, the Ultimate Marvel podcast. Um, Aftershock Central, which has the most unoriginal <laughs> podcast name. Um, I th- are are, are we getting a Dynamite well, Central? Did I see Martin tweet about that? <laughs> well, somebody tweeted about it, and I asked about it in our private chat. Okay. <laughs> People need to stop ripping off my name. Um, <laughs> podcast of a Thousand Holds. Uh, do you do any other ones, Ronnie? Nope, that's it. Aftershock Central. Oh, no, I said Aftershock Central, but uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Ronnie's involved in a whole bunch of podcasts, um, and then uh, Dewan, of course, is part of the Collecting Valiant podcast. So if you don't get enough Valiant talk in this podcast, which would not surprise me, uh, then you can check out that podcast where he is joined by uh, Justin Ehart and uh, and James Carlson as they talk about the collecting side of being a Valiant fan. Um, and you can tweet them uh, uh, for the podcast at uh, Collecting Valiant. Is that what it is? I think it's at Collect Valiant. At Collect Valiant. I thought it was a little bit different. Um, yeah, so that's where you can find all of us. Uh, hit up the Patreon, patreon.com slash Central. Go to nerdylegion.com. You can also find the link there. And uh, find all the other wonderful podcasts I just mentioned and more. Uh, Martin should be back next time and until then uh, go read some Motor Girl and Thanos and shit <laughs>